0: Hello and a warm welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Brownlee. So Tom is an assistant professor in applied sports sciences at the University of Birmingham and he also maintains consultancy roles with companies such as the English Premier League, Formula One, NFL and Adidas. Which makes him the perfect person today to discuss the tech trends of 2022 and how you can use that information to get ahead of the competition. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Tom onto the show. So, Tom, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks very much, Matt. Nice to be here. Well, thank you very much for joining us. So, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Sure. Um,
1: I'm Dr. Tom Brownlee, but Tom is more than fine. Um, I did my PhD working at Liverpool Football Club a few years ago now, which was focused on Um, youth strength training, which is something I'm quite passionate about, and athlete development generally. Following on from there, I went to work at Liverpool John Moores University in the UK, um, primarily looking at the physiology of of football, or soccer as you might call it. And then recently I started as a lecturer in applied sports sciences at the University of Birmingham. Um, I also have a couple of different consultancy roles across nutrition and sports science a bit more
0: broadly. Absolutely excellent. So, in terms of technology, then, um, what kind of tech were you then involved with when you were working in uh, in football?
1: So, I think um, tech in football is mainly based around around monitoring, which is a term that you've probably heard of. You know, the the i the thing that we're trying to aim for when we're working with any athlete really is their availability to train and compete. You know, we always say that it doesn't really matter how strong you are, how fast you are, how fit you are, how technically able you are even if you're if you're unable to train and compete because you're injured then none of that matters so what we umbrella as as monitoring is the most important thing and and technology over my time working in elite sport has just sort of increased and increased i think back to when i started working in football in 2000 and this is showing my age 2010 (laughs) um you know, we were quite a progressive team because we were using heart rate monitoring to monitor the load of the athletes. Um Now, if you went to a, a, a championship academy, you might have 14 year olds wearing GPS devices. And then, you know that's a huge sort of explosion and expansion. And the purpose of that really is just to understand what those players are doing day to day. So the coaches can can plan for that to make sure that they're hitting that sweet spot of, them not doing too much so that they might get injured, but that they're doing enough so that they develop. And yeah, technology has just played an ever-increasing role in that.
0: So with that ever-increasing role, obviously since 2010, um, yeah, that's a few years ago. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're now in uh, in 2022, and obviously technology at some kind of exponential rate has increased uh, throughout all that time and from before, obviously. But what do you think then is going to be the biggest uh, role of sport technology in 2022? So not necessarily which device is the most important, but what's the role going to be of sport tech?
1: Well, I think, I think I've think i already alluded to it to a point. It, it will be around that monitoring. And, and I think that the way that that will change, it won't change because it will still only be towards monitoring. But what will change is the number of variables that are able to be considered and also the quality of those variables being recorded. So to give you a little example, if we think of something like a, a GPS device, you've probably seen those worn between the shoulder blades of footballers in those kind of sports bra looking things. You know, they measure data a certain amount of times every minute or every second. And again, in the 10, 12 years since I started working in football, that, that number has massively increased. So what that means is that the information that we're receiving from those devices is, is much more accurate and much more valid, which is, which is really, really important. So on the one hand, I think that the quality of the information that we're receiving is is increasing, which enables us to better understand how our athletes are responding to the work we're doing with them. But also the number of things that we're able to measure and, and throw into that picture are, are increasing. So, for example, gps systems now you have goalkeeper specific ones which you didn't have before and they can measure things like how many times they dive and how quick they are to get up off the floor and things like that and that can be really really useful but it's not just things like gps units you know we might be um, measuring 10 or 20 other different variables and and i speak about that that picture and i think that the the clearer that picture can be for our coaches, the more informed the decision they can make about what they should be doing with an athlete on any day.
0: I think that's some some excellent advice already. And I remember uh, just anecdotally the the sport brass that you mentioned. I remember in Dubai we were working with uh, with a football team and trying to convince kids. To wear one of the not the sport bra types, but the long vest types in forty degree heat, that was an absolute nightmare. So hopefully they've uh, they've continually increased not just the the quality of the GPS devices, but the quality of their vests as well, because uh, that made my job an absolute living nightmare. Unfortunately, but um yeah, that can, I digress. That could be a real blow.
1: Yeah, that yeah. could be very challenging. But just just very quickly on that, actually, yeah. we've even seen some innovation in that. I mean, if you look at a lot of the the rugby teams that are using those now, the actual pouches are sewn into their their match jerseys now it's a bit of a caveat that those those units have to be worn very tight to the skin so soccer jerseys which are normally a little bit baggier you couldn't really do that which is why they have to be in those elasticated vests but but in sports like rugby where they do wear really tight shirts like you can they've already done away with the sports sports bra if you like so there's innovation everywhere
0: absolutely excellent mate. excellent and then when we're going to get into some uh, some nitty gritty stuff right we've got we've got a few topics that we want to hit um what do you think is going to be one of the top three game changers for sport technology in 2022
1: yeah that's a that's a great question and i i'm going to answer it really broadly initially and say anything that gives you data on you you know i think whether you're no matter what level of athlete you are we're all a bit eager maniacal even if we don't want to admit it i think you know everyone's fascinated in their numbers even if you go you know bowling and you instagram your the scorecard or you go go-karting and you want to see how much faster you were than than your mate i mean you know we're we're fascinated in in us aren't we and pro athletes are, are no different to that. They want to know how much high speed distance they covered in today's training session, or or how much total distance they covered, or you know how many goals they scored, whatever, whatever. So, I think anything that provides us with with data is is so fascinating to athletes. So we've spoken about GPS, for example. The GPS units, um, you know, are much more common in the in the pro space. There are you know lighter or simpler versions, which are filtering down now into the um, into the non-elite market and i think that we will see a huge rise in that but even little things like the use of apps like strava i mean you know you see that and how people like to share their their metrics with their friends and if they know that they can they've done a run that they do once a week and that they've done it faster than ever and anything that can provide us data is going to be huge this year and and i as i said previously the different kinds of data that we can now get and our obsession with ourselves and our data and our progression is is just going to be massive
0: and what do you think that that kind of sharing element brings into it as well because I think that that 's a super interesting one to touch on that not only can we get tons of data on ourselves but we can kind of give it to the world to to yeah stroke our ego as such when we 've done that workout, we can say how many calories we burned, and all of a sudden you get this kind of feedback reward um, from Everyone telling you how great you are, potentially. Um, how do you think that, that that sharing element is going to play into sport tech?
1: Again, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely no psychologist, but I mean, you touched on it. It's it's ingrained in our culture at the moment, isn't it? It's it's everywhere. It's, it's really important to us to have that gratification from people. I think also it, it often keeps us a little bit accountable, doesn't it? You know, I know that there will be athletes working remotely perhaps and they will feed back their data to their coaches at at whatever sort of level of importance and eliteness or non-eliteness that is you know that accountability is something which can you can be held to via this via this sharing so I think it's really really important and the other thing which I think makes it especially important or even more interesting perhaps is going to be how we're gonna see more and more of this data used in in broadcasting. You know, so if you're watching the athletics or you're watching the football or you're watching the rugby or um you know, whatever sport it is you're interested in, we're only seeing more and more data, more and more metrics on individuals. You know, a player gets subbed off in the Champions League and you see that they've covered 10.4K in 79 minutes or whatever. You know, if you then go and play on a Sunday, You're going to look at your stats after a match and be like, oh, wow, I did what what my hero did or I did more or I did less. I need to work a bit harder. So that comparison with our peers and and even that ability to compare with with the elites, although we might not be using the same technology and without getting too scientific about it, it might not be apples and apples. I think that um, it's just going to be really important and really interesting and things that people will just tap more into this year.
0: I think that's uh, it's also super motivational as well to be like right okay that's how uh, yeah I don't know the the first choice England striker that's how much he ran this week well, I'm going to go and do the same but um, what then do you think is the the next thing that we should be looking out for and, and why is that going to improve the world of sport in uh, 2022?
1: Yeah, the, um, the next one I wanted to talk about is a little bit more of a, a, a curveball actually. You might not sort of think of it initially, but it's I think we're going to see a, a huge huge rise of of virtual reality use Um, you know virtual reality has been around for a really long time in in some in some capacity or another and if you look at some of the research on virtual reality often the issues around it were around the the quality of the images and if the images weren't very good it made people feel a bit like travel sick because their brains couldn't quite understand what was going on and obviously that's not very helpful but you know you will have seen if you play computer games, you know the graphical abilities of of computing now is is immense, and there are some amazing companies out there now making some amazing virtual reality devices and I think the the opportunity for their use is is going to just grow and grow to be honest, and we're already seeing that quite a lot with some of the pro clubs and as we know, it always starts there and always trickles down for a variety of reasons
0: and what are the pro clubs then doing because in yeah in my imagination at least. There would be something like, uh, let's say, there's a training session in the morning. Uh, they could grab some lunch, and maybe then is a good time to to get some VR goggles on and go back through what they did at the weekend or go through some tactical stuff. Um, what what are they doing then in those sessions? Are they just doing it kind of watching games back, or are they looking at specific elements of their own uh, their own performance?
1: Yeah, any and all of those things. To be honest, I mean the the, the sort of company that's pioneering it to the best of my knowledge is a company called rezzle based in in manchester in the uk and um they do have the ability to as you say like plug back in um game footage from the weekend for example and you literally can stand in the middle of the pitch and press play and you can watch how that play panned out and were you really in the right position when you were defending that attack and it's absolutely incredible and as i say the sort of photorealism of the graphics it's it's amazing and as well as doing um, things like that, where you're watching back things that actually happened. You can also just do normal drills, as you alluded to, as well. So, I think I think in the pro space, the the use of, of VR technology is going to be sort of threefold. Uh, and I'll talk about football because it's what I know best. But you can imagine how it might be used elsewhere. One of those things will be for 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 tactical and technical type skills, as I as I just mentioned. Um, the other one will be for for rehabilitating players. You know. We we know that when players are out for for a long period of time, it's psychologically it's it's desperate, it's miserable, it can be awful. You know, seeing your mates training out the window while you're in the gym again because you can't go and do stuff. But these technologies now allow players, you know, as close to playing football without playing as football as you can get, and that can be really really rewarding. Couple that with the fact that they still can be involved in the technical tactical side of you know letting those plays run and being involved. Um, to the level that their injury allows them is is really really important. And then finally, something which I think we'll see um, not just in football but across various sports is VR's use in in concussion um, issues. So again, y- you could think about what I've just said about rehab and you know that injury might be a concussion. But for things like football, where where heading heading a ball, for example, is very important in some positions. You know, there's emerging research that re- repeatedly heading a ball might not be particularly good for the brain. And although very small impacts, those small impacts can really add up to give us, you know, quite serious conditions. And I feel like not a week goes by now where we're not hearing about an ex-player who's been diagnosed with dementia or some of these, you know, really horrendous conditions. And um, Rezil again, and I'm and I'm sure others have have developed sort of heading technical heading drills um which you can do while wearing the VR unit. so again you can you can practice your heading because we know it's an important part of the game, and unless it's outlawed from competition, people need to be able to do it. So I think that you know certain skills such as heading can be practiced um, more repetitively than you would want to do in real life via those kinds of technologies and and that's really exciting, I think and finally actually on on VR the other thing is that it opens up possibilities. I mean, you know, we've all done far more remote working than we might have liked over the last couple (laughs) of years. But, you know, if you want to go and do a tactical, technical session and you don't have 20 mates to go and do it with and you don't have the equipment or it's minus 10 degrees outside or it's lashing down the rain or whatever, you know, I don't think we're going to be a million miles away from people being able to do these kinds of things um, through virtual reality. Obviously, you won't have the physical side of the training when that's happening, but there will still be some benefits that can be taken from it. So, I think the opportunity there is going to be huge.
0: And I think when you when you look at that physical side as well, um, a lot of the players will be working very hard physically throughout the week anyway. So, adding more physical, um, yeah, or taking more from your physical battery at least in a week might not be actually optimal. Whereas the the technical and tactical side of things. That could be potentially trained more if they, they, if they can mentally deal with that throughout a week in terms of the, the load. So that makes it really interesting to, to look at, let's say you have a, a double game week where physically you might be absolutely destroyed and mentally you need a couple of days off within that. But maybe on a match day, let's say plus uh, three, um, you could get more benefit out of a, a tactical session with VR goals than a tactical session on the pitch. So it, it opens up as far as I'm concerned, extra avenues to to tap into different systems and allow your batteries to recharge for other ones.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I started off by talking about availability being king, you know, working in that player development space at, at the academy at Liverpool all those years ago. I think that, you know, on the whole, players weren't hugely lacking in that physical capacity if they were kind of fringe players but it might be more that tactical technical awareness so yeah you're absolutely right the the ability to top up one skill without you know going to the well again on another skill where you're already trying to be aware that they're they're growing and you're trying to manage and monitor their load yeah you're absolutely
0: right and do you think in terms of a limiting factor for for football performance often I have the idea, at least, that it's not necessarily a physical limitation because we know a lot about the physical science. But do you think then some players could have made the grade if they had had better technical or tactical skills?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess that does work both ways, though, because, you know, for every... Football's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's such a skill-based sport. You will have kids coming into academies who are amazing at school. They might score seven or eight every single game because technically they're brilliant. And they feel like that, that technical ability will take them through forever. So they don't work on the physical side of things because they think they're great, but actually they get overtaken when they can't keep up physically. But yeah, the the, the opposite is is certainly true. You definitely come do come across players who are... Um, physically capable because that's probably the maybe the easier thing to train right as long as you're doing as you're told like you probably can get to the level of fitness required but yeah if you're unable to grasp some of these technical tactical aspects which are more challenging then yeah absolutely it's a limiting factor
0: Absolutely excellent. Now I think we could probably do an entire podcast on that, but before we do, <laughs> I want to move on to the the third big piece of tech. Um, yeah, what do you think? Then is that third game changer, and uh, how is it going to change the game in twenty twenty two?
1: Yeah, I think I think the third the third one that I wanted to discuss was was a, a, a broad band of, of wearables. Generally, I think that you know we've we've seen an explosion in wearables. And I think that's only going to go one way. I mean, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about brand names, but like the aura ring and the whoop strap and the Apple watch, all of those things. I mean, you know, some of the stats I was reading about Apple recently are absolutely frightening. I mean, I think that their Apple headphones, the company is worth more than Sony, I think, or something absolutely (laughs) insane. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Apple watch, you know, just acquires all the technology of all these other brands and they all become obsolete but who knows but again i think wearables and it comes back to what i was saying before people are so interested in their data and we started off with well what's happening when i'm training how fast am i how far am i running you know what's my heart rate reaching but all of these other things allow us the other side of that don't they it's how well am i recovering how good's my sleep um you know, what's my heart rate variability, all of the other side of the equation, which on, on one hand, I think is a really good thing because I, one of my massive pet peeves is the hashtag, hashtag no days off because <laughs> you need days off. And if you don't have days <laughs> off, you're an idiot and you're going to get injured and you're not going to be available. And there's no point see step one. Um, so it's really nice for us to have this ability to think about all of these things The thing that's important, again, as I spoke about, about the evolving and improving technology of the GPS stuff, is that we need to make sure that they're measuring what they say they're measuring and and as we get into later iterations, which I think is what will happen in 2022, that's where these things will really come into their own. You know, I've seen some really interesting comparisons um, online of some of the quality of some of these more well-known wearables. And I think they're they're definitely getting better as they get into second, third, fourth generations. But I think it's going to be the wearables linking into the non training time that are going to be really interesting. And again, that's going to be comparing yourself to how good you were last week, how good your friends are, how good you think the pros are. And I think, um, you know, influencers, the world we live in now, you know, we're just going to probably see more and more of that as, as these brands recognize the importance of acquiring brand ambassadors. And, you know, I'm sure we will see You know LeBron James wearing whichever wearable he he's being sponsored by and saying like, "Oh, my recovery score is ninety four today. I'm ready to go again." And well, you want yours to be ninety four because LeBron's awesome, right? So you know, and it's just going to keep on going.
0: And what do you think then the the application of those wearables is? Because obviously there's there's a huge range that we can go through. But what do you think is the the outcome of uh, let's say a a youth athlete between the ages of sixteen to eighteen? They want to. Really make that step into potentially into the pro setting, but they don't have all of that amazing technology that we previously mentioned, VR and GPS. How do you think athletes like that could then use these wearables to elevate their game and give them a chance to reach that top level?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a brilliant question, and, and I think the answer might sound a bit um, a bit unexpected, but I think it will help to keep the reins on them. Because I think I remember I come from a track and field background and when I was 16, 17, 18, I wanted to be the best athlete in the world. And in my mind, if a little bit of training was good, well, a lot of training was really good. And I think that lots of kids will feel very similarly, which is a great ambition. And you can see some logic there. But as sports scientists, we know that that isn't really the case, and that there has to be that balance between you know the training input and, and the recovery from it. So I think that, as I say, as the validity and the accuracy of these wearables at measuring our recovery improves, you know I really hope that hashtag No Days Off goes the hell away, and you know hashtag I'm having a rest because I need one comes in. It's not quite <laughs> as catchy, not quite as catchy, but you get no, the point. <laughs> so I so I think that I think that giving people an understanding that resting and sleeping and recovering is probably as if not more important than the actual training is is what will come about as a result of these technological innovations that's my hope anyway
0: i think that's uh, something that we could definitely all strive for and um yeah it taps in of course to the to the science behind recovery and actually making sure that you're ready to perform instead of absolutely destroying yourself on a training pitch every day but um absolutely. before we wrap up i'm interested to hear From you personally, then, based on all of this fantastic information, what is the one piece of tech that you'll be buying and why were you going to buy that? (laughs) That's a great question. Now, I had a feeling you might ask me this. So I did have a little bit
1: of a think about it. And my answer, again, is a little bit of a strange one, perhaps. But I've got some science behind it to back it up, I promise. So I have been using old semi broken not very good headphones for some time <laughs> and i'm going to invest in a pair of decent wireless in ear earbuds because um i know that the science says that when you're you know i like to use music when i when i train and i know that some people say well, you shouldn't really do that for a variety of reasons, but I don't subscribe to that at all. I think that um, the quality of my training massively improves. And there is research to say that when the quality of the audio that you're listening to is increased, um, then the quality of the training is better. So, in order to improve the quality of my training, I'm going to invest in a pair of wireless headphones. I don't know if that's quite what you were thinking I was going to say or if that answers the question, but that's what I'm going for.
0: It certainly uh, certainly answers the question. I think it's a really good tip, which is uh, affordable as well for a lot of people. So it's not just a, a 3,000 euro or, or dollar or pound uh, expensive device with an expensive subscription. It's something that a lot of people can get on board with. So that's uh, no, excellent, mate. Really good. It was
1: also, my second choice was going to be an air fryer for the kitchen. I, <laughs> that, a, is,
0: that is not a sport performance tool,
1: mate, what's going on oh, No, no, no. See, I had an answer for this as well. Okay, yeah, I, go for I, it. I think it could be because eating proper whole foods is very important, as we know. I've worked in nutrition. I'm, I feel like I'm qualified to say that to a point. And I feel that the often what gets in the way for everyone when it comes to making quality food is the time to do so so although fryer frying is in the name it's pretty it's a pretty low fat way of doing it but most importantly it's around convenience so in looking to improve my nutrition for 2022 i'm considering an air fryer
0: (laughs) i'm i'm semi-sold mate i'm semi-sold you might still need to work on that one but um
1: myself if i'm honest
0: (laughs) (laughs) so massive thanks for your time and uh, hard work on today's podcast i've really enjoyed it and massive thanks for for joining us today it's been a pleasure Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Tom for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, there are a range of lectures in there on sport technology, which can help you take your game to the next level. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, it would be fantastic if you could have a quick think about a colleague, an athlete, a friend or a coach who would also enjoy it. Of course, sharing the podcast means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content. And of course, it means that you can help those around you as well. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.